Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Hey folks, Eric here from the Bloody Good Horror Podcast, and I'm here today to talk to you about decisions. Sometimes you have a noisy neighbor that you just don't know how to deal with. Maybe you've got someone tied up in your basement and you're not really sure how long you should leave him there. Or maybe you're having a tough time deciding what to do with the stray cat that's keeping you up all night. And that's why I'm here today, folks, because a decision to listen to Bloody Good Horror is an easy one. So do yourself a favor and check out Bloody Good Horror today. That's bloodygoodhorror.com, the one choice in life that's easy. Plus, we'll help you figure out where to bury that dead body you're driving around with. And don't worry, if you didn't see anything, neither did we. Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. But I just, I just can't help it. There's something about the guy that makes me uneasy. Well, sure. Sound of fucking someone in the ass. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 37 of the Bone Bat Show, the holiday extravaganza episode. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. We got a uh, special guest in the audience today. My buddy Limo is joining us this evening. How you doing, man? Good. Hey. Good to have you finally in the Bone Bat studio. Now, folks, you may not think that you've heard him before, but you've actually heard him on every single episode. Whoa. He plays the bass on our theme song, man. Oh, so that's the good. You did the good part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like ninety-three and a half percent of the musical talent in our theme song is sitting next to me. Sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, and if we had Jello Biafra show up as the guy that you know actually wrote the music and all, that'd be all the talent. That would be right there. 
Cool. So uh, this is our holiday episode, and uh, one of the things I was really excited about was we were able to feature the music of the mighty Reverend Horton Heath this episode. Excellent. Who has actually done a holiday CD, if he you does. don't own it, The uh, song that you uh, are listening to now, Jingle Bells, is from the album We Three Kings. We will be featuring tunes from We Three Kings, Revival, and the latest uh, joint from Reverend Horton Heath, which is called Laughing and Crying all off of Yep Rock Records during this episode. So we hope you enjoy the music. Yeah. So, dude. Yes. If I say the word point, does that have any meaning to you? Yeah, it's a point misspelled. <laughs> okay. So I did this comic out of, out of nowhere. Well, not, actually, I ripped off somebody else's idea, first of all. There was the al- alphabet of weird sounds someone wrote. And it was all these little nonsense sounds with a little weird picture by each one. And I thought, ah. Oh, I can do that better. I'll do the alphabet of rude sounds. And so I did the same thing, made all these nonsense, rude-sounding sounds with a little picture of what was making the noise after each one. And when I got to the letter P, I said, point. I didn't really know where I was going with that. I just wrote the word point down. And then I drew a pair of breasts with erect nipples and wrote point, point. Good enough. Marginally funny. Move along with life. Later on, I discover Mad Magazine had done that same sound effect point years earlier and what did it illustrate a woman's breast popping out i completely ripped off mad magazine like 20 years after the fact not just mad magazine you ripped off the incredible don martin yes the that's master right. don martin is of the guy sound effects off. yeah oh god it went back and, and i actually looked at that that little bit where you know of of art that I ripped off and some of the other uh, sound effects that he illustrated and they were just brilliant. There was one that was like fissap and it was the sound of, of someone getting a, a big uh, flat saw, a, you know, flat side right to the face. Well, I still remember his uh, celebration of the cockroach with squeebie-deebie-dap, which is the sound <laughs> of a guy walking over a board with cockroaches under it. Now, did you, in your mind, did it sound like squee-dee-dee-dee-dap, or was it more like squee-dee-dee-dee-dap, like no, these that's things bursting? The, that's the way I always imagined it. It was kind of a musicality to it, if you will. Wow. Interesting. How, how can it be a ripoff if you arrived at this sound independently? Well, that's well the see, thing. I don't think I did. I think I saw that as a kid. And like filed it away uh, in my in the dark in the recesses of my mind. Yeah, I, really I mean, it. all of and us, you know, anybody kid who read Mad Magazine, you just kind of have that subconsciously, yeah. you know, snappy comebacks for stupid yeah. questions, and you know, all these little tiny bits of of Madalia, I guess, just kind of in your subconscious, and some trigger, and just for Pam, you feel it again. <laughs> <laughs> See, you probably stole that from Don Martin. Yeah. You don't even know it. <laughs> well, you do know it. <laughs> Could be. Uh, well, see, here's know. the thing. We're talking about Mad Magazine. and I, I was talking to my, my lovely wife and bemoaning the fact that we don't have more female listeners. And she tells me that what we got to do if we want more female listeners is to stop doing things like talk about Mad Magazine. Especially after listening to that one episode we did a couple back. Not talk about how big our dicks are quite so much. She just says that's not something women can really relate to. They I, don't want to listen to us talk about how big our dicks are. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably true. So, in my effort to reach out to the fairer sex, I'm going to endeavor to uh, do something, you know, talk about something they can relate to. So, okay. dude, my vagina is so big. <laughs> What? No, now? seriously, my vagina. That's because uh, you know women have vaginas. They can relate to this, right? 
I offer donkey rides to the bottom. It's it's that big. I don't have a box. I've got a crate. That's that's, that's how big my vagina is. We're picking up female fans all over from this. I can tell already. You know that big giant ball that they have at New Year's Eve on Times Square that drops at, at New Year's? Yeah. I do my Kegels with that thing. That's my Kegels exercise weight right there. Dude, I, I don't know if you're going down the right road with it. <laughs> Come on! But it's, it's I, like just, I, I don't know that that's a selling point that women, you know, use a large vagina as necessarily being like, you know, one of their better feet. I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I think they do. We'll have to ask them. I, I have problems with base jumpers leaping from my clitoris. <laughs> We're going to have to rope that thing off or something. Someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Ships and airplanes have been known to disappear into it, never to be seen again. I no? definitely yeah. having trouble getting my head around this, man. <laughs> No, but I could get my vagina around your head. It's that <laughs> big. Once I got so wet, I flooded the ninth ward. <laughs> <laughs> Which is odd, because I don't have lips. I have big, fleshy levees on the side. It's, uh, volunteers have been known to stack sandbags around the edges of my vagina just to keep it from flooding. Yeah, the female viewership just went way, way up. <laughs> See? They're into it i know it oh, no i don't okay. i don't, use I, I don't know use cheap I... and bales of hay all right i'll Not... i'll try come on give me one <sighs> my vagina is so big 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 <laughs> i dropped a pebble in it last week and it still hasn't hit bottom that's funny because remember how you and i were talking about we did all these dick jokes and there was no overlap right i actually had i, I had one that was I, I once dropped a pebble in, and I still haven't heard it hit bottom. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I guess we just think the same about vaginas. I once had crabs. Alaskan king crabs. <laughs> oh, no, seriously. My I vagina, use a tam- uh, for a diaphragm, I use a trampoline. My vagina is so big, I opened a Jiffy Lube in it. Your, <laughs> ca- your car's ready. <laughs> and your car is ready. Oh, man. Mine forms a natural amphitheater. I host a music festival there every spring. Fish is a headline act. I can palm my clitoris like a basketball. <laughs> now that's a good image. I like that. Michelangelo once painted the ceiling of mine. <laughs> you can actually carry me like a 12-pack. <laughs> wow. It's really easy to find my G-spot. You just follow the traffic signs. <laughs> On my last period, I ate Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Oh, you're better at this than I am. No, my, my gynecologist doesn't use a speculum. He uses the jaws of life. <laughs> when I queef, windsock snaps straight out for miles around. <laughs> Come on, that one cracked me up. <laughs> Novice divers should be reminded to pressure equalize their ears several times on the way down to my vagina. It's, it's that big. The Democrats declared it a critical wetland habitat, but the Republicans want to tap into the tremendous natural gas reserves that <laughs> lurk beneath it. It's it's big. Sir Edmund Hillary was the first European to summit my clitoris. <laughs> oh, no. Seriously. Verizon? They advertise that they provide 3G coverage in over 80% of my vagina. <laughs> That's totally bullshit, though. Without a lot more cell phone towers, you're never going to get decent reception in there. <laughs> oh, shoot. Alright, alright. Thelma and Louise drove off the edge of it. <laughs> Yeah, if that one doesn't appeal to women, nothing will. Yeah, see, it's a Thelma Louise. It's a vagina joke. It's it's big. 
Okay. All right, one one more, and I'll I'll stop for now. Okay. But um, you'd best consult the tide table before you <laughs> venture in, and so you don't end up stranded on what was once a dry stretch of vagina. <laughs> All right, I don't know. I, Maybe I, I'll work on it. Tell me if our female listenership doesn't quadruple based on the <laughs> my vagina is so large jokes. Because I, I think uh, we got something. I'll keep an eye on the stats. Thank you. So another. Did I mention I use Michael J. Fox as a vibrator? <laughs> Dude, Sorry, that that man. is an old one. I know that I, is I an old one. You did not write that. Cheap reason. I didn't. No, <laughs> if you go deep enough, though, you'll find pure white eyeless fish. <laughs> it's that big. Go on. Along with cuneiforms of uh, bulls. <laughs> you will. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right. So a podcast awards update. Uh, hey, podcast awards! Uh, did we win? Unfortunately, we lost. We what? We lost. Yeah, we lost to the Daily Giz Whiz, uh, which, uh, speaking of Mad Magazine, is uh, Dick DiBartolo's show uh, that he does. It's a gadget and gizmo show he does with Leo Laporte uh, on the Twit Network. So uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, congratulations. I'm glad I ripped off Mad Magazine. <laughs> I got to say, though, I, I am a little disappointed. Well, but, yeah, I'm saddened. But, you know, if you're going to lose to anyone, I guess that's okay, I got to say, I, but while I am disappointed, I'm super glad that our, our listeners pulled together to nominate us. That was very cool. And that, that makes me cool. feel really good about us. things that, that cool. you know, yeah, that people think enough of the show to, to actually go to the effort to go to a website. So thank you all to all you listeners who voted for us, who nominated us, all that good stuff. I do really appreciate that. Speaking of uh, comments about the podcast awards, we have a, a voicemail. Here it is. <laughs> you guys lost. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> you suck. Wait, wait, let me let me let me actually get online and see who you guys lost to. Um, who did you guys lose to? You were in comedy, right? Yeah, that's what we do. I know. I don't. I don't particularly like doing this. Oh, hey, it's Vaughn. Um, I don't particularly like doing this, but you know what? Fuck. And the thing is. I'm look, I looked at this, and every year I look at this stupid fucking podcast awards thing, and it always makes me laugh because it's so stupid. Okay, so you guys were going against Comedy Forecast, uh, Comic Geek Speak, which is not even a comedy podcast, Disordered View, Steve Doll Show, Beagle, Daily Gizwiz, which isn't a comedy show, This Week in Fun, which is a piece of shit. It's not even a funny show. Um, Absolute Peach, what the fuck? Who the fuck is that? Rolf? Who the fuck is that? Who's Steve Doll? The Bugle, the fuck, and the Bone Bat Show, right? Okay, let me see. Comedy, who wins the Daily Gizlet? A fucking Leo Laporte show. You guys should be fucking ashamed. Ashamed that fucking the Daily Gizwiz, which is like, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a Twitch show. It's a Leo Laporte show. And it's about, like, fucking, it's like a tech show. And you guys are like, oh, we're going we're gonna to really try to win this, win this. You know what? It's a whole bunch of load of horseshit. And I'm sitting here... Looking at the live, because I went on your on your Twitter thing, and I connected to the podcast awards just to see when it was coming on. I already missed it. It's 11 o'clock here in freaking on Eastern Standard Time. And it's a piece of shit. Why do you guys waste your fucking time? You guys in the outside in the cinema, guys, who were even worse. At least you guys were like, wait, you know, if you guys want to be part of this email, we'll freaking do it. But no, the outside in the cinema, guys, fucking driving everybody nuts on Twitter. Fucking, oh, vote for us today, vote for us today, but it's a fuck you. I'm not going to vote for you. I even said it. I'm not going to vote for anybody. No offense to you guys, but I, I don't particularly care for podcast awards. I think they're a piece of fucking shit. And, I, and you know what? I feel bad. I mean, I do laugh at you, but it's all a joke. 
actually, so I, mean, I feel bad for you guys because you were actually like the only podcast on there that texted comedy podcast. All the rest of these are just like, let's see, hmm, how many tw- how many fucking Leo Laporte shows can I get on this fucking thing? Distorted View is a piece of shit. Comics Geeks is a comedy cart is a comics podcast, a comic book podcast. Fucking bullshit. Comedy forecast sucks. Rolf sucks. Deep doll, I don't even know who the fuck that guy is. Nothing gives me who the fuck watches that. Fucking this week in fun is another Leo Laporte show. It's done by fucking Martin Sargent. He used to be funny, but now he sucks dick. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really ranting, and I'm in my mother-in-law's house. I hope she doesn't hear me. Yeah, I wonder if she knows he's dead. Why do you guys waste your fucking time with this shit? What, are you going to get, like, a fucking free mic stand? What the fuck do you get from this? Nothing. I understand it's recognition and shit like that, but you know what? It's not going to get you more fucking listeners. It's just going to give you a stupid... What the fuck? An award you could put on your on a shelf you make in, the, in, the, in, the, in your podcast room? Who the fuck cares? No offense to you, Steve. No offense to you, Gord, but it's all bullshit. The podcast awards... Podcast Alley, fucking reviews on iTunes. It's all horseshit. No one really is a fuck. I know, I'm, I'm ranting and I really shouldn't because I actually do love you guys. But, like, in all honesty, with all this bullshit about podcasting, it really makes a guy like me not want to do podcasts. Because you know, it's such horseshit, such fucking bullshit, that it just makes me want to freaking give up, tie a noose around a freaking tree, and hang myself. <laughs> it's, it's garbage. I think I've done enough ranting. Uh, I hope you play this on the next show. I don't give a fuck who pisses off. You know who I am. You really want to fuck with me. You can email me. You call my fucking voicemail. You just fucking try. Not you guys. I know you guys are freaking don't get the joke. But anybody else who gets offended by this, go fuck yourself. All right. Goodbye. You see, I feel better already. Wow. That's like some New Jersey therapy, man. I don't know. I felt worse, and then I felt better, and then I felt worse again, and now I feel better again. I don't know how to feel. But uh, apparently, if I'm if I'm to you know break down his argument into its principal components, it's bullshit, it's horseshit, it's more bullshit, and and fuck everybody, right? Well, he basically said all the other shows suck except for us, which that's so. <laughs> Is that what he was saying? That's okay, what I, that's the way I took it. I don't know. I gotta say though, I don't have any beef with the outside the cinema guys. I actually uh, chatted with Bill during the whole ceremony, and we kind of commiserated. So that was that was a a good time actually during the thing, but uh, but thanks Vaughn for the call. That was a lot of fun. Always I, always appreciate your freak show phone calls. That's and yeah, great. nothing like them. Please makes keep me them feel going. normal. <laughs> All right, dude. So uh, speaking of things that piss you off, yes. do you have anything that pisses you off this week? I always do. I always 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 have things that piss me off. And right now, you know what pisses me off? What's that? Spanish, Spanish birds. Because what? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing my my level best to learn a little bit of Spanish, and it just if I finally clued in that in English, there's basically two things you can do to a verb, right? You can leave it alone, or you can add ed on the end of it. <laughs> That's it. Now there's some irregular verbs like you know you eat, got ate, or ran, run, but. No, no, no. You got to what? conjugate that shit. Yeah, what are you going to... Oh, and you can put ing on the end. You can turn it into a gerund. Rudy, too. Okay, so so you can leave it alone. You can put ed on it, or you can add ing to it. Yeah, Everything else is putting different words in front of it or behind it. You take something real basic. Like, let's take the verb to fart, right? I fart, you fart, they fart, we fart. Yesterday, I farted. Yesterday, you farted. They farted. We farted. See, there's not not a lot of change. There's fart and farted. You could go farting. You could do the gerund thing. 
But that's going to be for everyone. We are farting. They are farting. We were farting. What about a dangling farticiple? <laughs> what about it? In English, it's not a problem. And then there's a command tense, too. You know, I can say, Steve, fart. Or you, then there's the, there's the continual, you know, in the past, on a regular basis, I farted. Versus just now I farted. All the same. All the damn same. In Spanish, every single one of those things would be a different version of fart. It would be fartabla, farto, farti, fartomos, fartabamos, fartaron, farteron. God damn, that's just too much. Why do they do that? It pisses me off. Bad enough you have to learn a different word for everything, then you have to conjugate it 18 different ways from Thursday. Christ. <laughs> What's the word in Spanish for whiny bitch? <laughs> Gordo! <laughs> That's both horseshit and bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. What pisses you off? You know, actually, I've been kind of saving this one until we were going to have Reverend Horton Heat on the show. So when Laughing and Crying came out, I go to my local Best Buy, and I, I first check online to see, and you know how they have the online stock check deal? Yeah. It says they got two copies in stock. So I go down to the local Best Buy, I walk in there, I look in the section under R for Reverend Horton Heat and Rock, it's not there. There's not even a, a little tag for him. So Did you I, look under H? Yeah, I looked under a couple of different places, so I asked one of the employees. Yeah, you got the new Reverend Horton Heat? Never heard of him. Really? How can a record store employee in this day and age not have heard of the Reverend Horton Heat? What is that shit about? And then some other guy comes over and claims that, well, it might be in country or gospel. It wasn't. They could not. I was in there for like 20 minutes. They couldn't put the CD in my hand. I was so fucking pissed off. That's unfortunate. And it's unconscionable. How you can be that uneducated about your employment and not know who the Reverend Horton Heat is. That just pissed me off, dude. I gotta say. Yeah, they, they need a little bit more uh, training, I'm afraid, in the whole music department, I guess. Uh, if it's not the new Lil Wayne, you know, perhaps it's just <laughs> yeah, not music right. as far as they're concerned. Yeah, anything that pisses you off, Lima? Uh, my wife was extremely upset when she went down to Fred Meyer and they had pulled all of the Chia Obamas off the shelf. <laughs> and and that pisses me off. The that fact bastards. The fact that they would would think that that would be so uh, what's the word? stereotypical or something like that that uh, they want to make sure that they don't offend anybody. So they rip rip them all off the shelf, but in fact the fact that they're Ripping it off the shelf is even worse. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know about this. What, they thought like a Chia Obama would be a racist caricature that's, or something? That's correct. Yeah, because, you know, the thing about people of, of his ethnicity is they all have green hair that grows up <laughs> and sprouts leaves. That's, and it grows that's a stereotype really, they've been trying to combat for years. And it grows extremely fast. That's right. Fast-growing, <laughs> photosynthesizing fuckers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That pisses me off. Yeah, man. it's wow. horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like a podcast award show right there, except you have to add water to it. <laughs> so political rants, dude. What is the time? Is the time? I'm gonna, it's going to be a brief one. I'm going to keep it brief. But here's the thing: you know who Dana Perino is, right? She was the press secretary under Bush. Okay. Kind of a hottie, actually. I saw her on some douchebags Hannity show. 
And she with some other nameless. You douche. watch Hannity? No, no, I just saw the clip. Someone pointed me to the clip. Uh-huh. And she said, and I quote, We did not have a terrorist attack in our country during President Bush's term. And she says this, and like, there's this long pause, and Hannity kind of looks at her, and the other douche kind of looks at her, and then they just let it go. They just let go. She just keeps on going about how whatever she's going on about. I'm assuming how Obama makes us unsafe. Dude, I don't care what political party you're with, but I distinctly recall a terrorist attack on our soil during President Bush's term. It happened in September. There were some airplanes involved. Perhaps you should look that up because the, the Republicans are acting like Republicans and the Democrats are acting like Democrats, and that pisses me off, both of them. The Republicans are doing it because they, they just they have no problem with flat out making shit crazy shit up. Like, we didn't have a terrorist attack under Bush. Like, we're all going to think, forget about it and think that, I don't know, that happened under Obama? Like, they, they kind of changed the whole rules. Like, we run into Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. And they're like, oh, we never said, we- did we say weapons of mass destruction? No, we never said that. But yes, you did. And here's what the Democrats are doing that, act- that pisses me off. The Democrats, Obama goes, hey, guys, we, we were going to lose $300 billion on this whole bank bailout thing. But the funny thing happened, and we only ended up losing $100 billion. And everyone goes, and? goes, and so it's like we have an extra $200 billion, so we're going to spend that. <laughs> yeah, I heard that the other day. If that math doesn't pencil out. If you lose 100 bucks, but you thought you were going to lose 300 bucks, that doesn't mean you have 200 bucks more. Yeah, it, no. No, right. try explaining that to your wife when you come home from the poker party. That's the new Honey, I only lost $100 that I didn't have to start with. Right, but it's it's isn't that, that's all... Uh... What do you call it? Accounting, right? Because you he already budgeted in the previous year the loss, and so if it's a loss in the previous year that doesn't happen, then it's an overage for the current year. Isn't that yeah, that which works? is the Democratic crazy ass bookkeeping shit yeah. that always throws us in the red whenever they get in control of the, of the piggy bank. Yeah, hate that. So, people, knock it off. That's all. That's my political rant. Well, this is an angry, angry episode. Did you it notice is. that? I'm a little pissed off so far. Um, but we can lighten things up with a segment we like to call Just Ask Gord. Oh, we got a caller? We got, no, not a caller, but I got a question for you. This comes in from our friend Skiznot. He's ass. Uh, can you ask Gord, uh, in the same uh, fashion as you would have a herd of buffalo or a gaggle of geese, what is the proper term for a group of Muppets? (laughs) It's a mupple. It's a mupple of Muppets. <laughs> mupple. Jim Henson coined the term back in 1973. You can look it up. It's a mupple of Muppets. Well, I'll be. I did not know that. Yeah, that's true. I just made it up just now. Very cool. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, we like to have a, f- a few people contact us about things. So I, I do have a couple other things I need to play real quick. So uh, let's just do that right now. Hey, Gordon. This is Julie. I just wanted to call and say happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Sorry, I just had some coffee. Happy birthday, man. Bye. Wow, that was really sweet. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Scott Mama. Hey, Gord, Jeff Crazy. Happy birthday. So there you go, Scott Mama and uh, Jeff Crazy. Just I, I extend the wishes myself. Happy birthday, buddy. Why? Thanks. Wow, that's cool. Because pr- probably that's the only happy birthday wishes I'm going to get this year. <laughs> oh, come now. You have a family. 
Yeah, seriously, my family's going to be gone on my birthday. I'm really? going to be uh, essentially home alone. Wow. Uh, crying in my pretzels. So you've got a weekend of video games, uh, eating ice cream, and masturbating bitterly ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fabulous birthday. <laughs> yeah, the only difference uh, from a regular day is the ice cream. <laughs> well... You know, I, now that we're talking about it, it is the holiday season. I'm in a gift-giving mood. You know, it, it, your birthday's here. So I would like to present our listeners with a, a little gift of my own. This is uh, Bonehand's Guaranteed Christmas Eve Come-Ons. These are guaranteed to work. Whoever you use them on will get you a little action on Christmas Eve. So Excellent. I can use this. You, you can feel free to trot out something like, want a lick of my candy cane? All right. Ready for me to slide down your chimney? <laughs> Wait a minute. That I've has got, a kind of... I've got lots that. of presents. Want to feel around my sack? <laughs> and the always classic, the sooner we go to bed, the sooner Santa will come. Yeah, but uh, Santa only comes down the chimney. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> on the side of the chimney? That's terrible. This has never happened to me before. Not All on right. the side of the chimney. Let's uh, listen a little more Reverend Horton Heat. This is We Three Kings.
All right, that was We Three Kings. The Reverend Horton Heat uh, is an American psychobilly trio from Dallas, Texas, and it's also the name of both the singer and songwriter and the band itself. Jim Heath was born in 1959 in Corpus Christi, Texas. He actually picked up his first guitar at the age of six, influenced by Sun Records rockability, uh, electric Chicago blues, and country mavericks like Junior Brown, Willie Nelson, and Merle Travis. He played in a number of different cover bands during high school, playing uh, 50s covers and swing covers, and uh, then attended University of Texas at Austin in the fall of 1977. And it wasn't long after that that he uh, went to a Dallas rock club called the Bijou to see a band called the Cramps. Oh, yeah. And uh, evidently after the show, a brawl broke out in between punks and uh, rockers in the parking lot. And uh, according to the, the Reverend, it was a great show. There was this riot. A bunch of heavy metal redneck kids were beating the hell out of the punk kids. And I started fighting the heavy metal kids. And I realized how I almost could have became one of those guys. You know, I was this close. Years later, I was talking to the Cramps about that show. And they said they were escorted out of Dallas afterwards. We don't want none of that punk rock in our town. <laughs> So after that, Heath later claimed that he had an epiphany on that evening. He had always been a fan of the blues and honky-tonk. And uh, he took his friend uh, a couple of weeks later to see the Blasters in Dallas and that merging of like the country with the punk, the rockabilly with the punk kind of came to fruition. Soon after that, his wife, who he had married a few years earlier, uh, left him, which is documented in uh, the song, Where in the Hell Did You Go With My Toothbrush? Uh, it's one of the things he's known for is his great sense of humor and his storytelling ability. And a number of his songs have just that really great sort of down-home ability to spin a tale. You know, songs like 400 Bucks. You know that's, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's a true story. He actually, the Reverend, lent 400 Bucks to a girlfriend of his, and she skipped town with both the money and the car when she dumped him afterwards. So that's absolutely a true story. Shortly after that, he moved to the Deep Ellum neighborhood of Dallas, which is like this area that back in the 30s and 40s was the musical hub of the black community in Dallas. And it had kind of fallen on hard times, but some club owners had come in and were opening new clubs. And so it was becoming this new area for music and art. And uh, Jim Heath was living in a club in that area after his divorce. And... Uh, that was kind of how he got started. He was uh, working as a sound man, and the uh, the owner of one of the clubs, Russell Hobbs, on an off night gave him the opportunity to play in his clubs. He played an absolutely scorching version of uh, Folsom Prison Blues, and I guess as legend has it, Hobbs was yelling out, Go, Reverend! during the whole performance. And so it was soon after that he dubbed him the Reverend Horton Heat. Huh, no kidding. Yeah. A couple of I years did later, not know that. he added uh, bassist Jimbo Wallace, uh, who uh, plays the stand-up bass, and drummer Patrick Taz Bentley to complete the lineup. Uh, soon after that, uh, kind of the Reverend Horton Heat's band started really getting rolling and getting a following. He did a lot of touring. And in the uh, fall of 1990, a bidding war ensued between Hollywood's Triple X Records and Seattle Sub Pop. Uh, Sub Pop won the battle, and uh, in 1991, they issued the debut album, Smoke Em If You Got Em which uh, has a couple of my favorite songs on there. Eat Steak, Marijuana is a good one. Love Whip is on there. Number Those are all cool great songs. songs. Yeah. Uh, they kept building, and uh, they released their sophomore effort in 1993, the full custom gospel sounds of the Reverend Horton Heat, which was produced by the Butthole Surfers' Gibby Haynes, another previous uh, featured band on The Bone Bat Show. 
Wow, we're like bringing them all together in this one. We are, and that is the album that <coughs> included the staples, uh, 400 bucks previously mentioned, which was also covered by the Super Suckers, another band that's been on the Bone Bad Show. And uh, one of my personal favorites, Bales of Cocaine. That is a hilarious song. That's a great song because it's, it's one of those country story songs that like my father's so fond of. A song that tells a story and it's, and it's country and it's silly. Yeah, absolutely. It's great stuff. So then uh, they uh, continued to tour. They uh, signed their first major label deal in 1994 with Interscope Records and debuted that year uh, their third album uh, in a joint release between Interscope and Sub Pop, Liquor in the Front, Poker in the Rear, which was produced by Ministries' Al Jorgensen. Shortly after that, uh, drummer Bentley left the band and was replaced by Scott Chirilla. Uh, the band returned in 1996 with It's Martini Time, which hit the uh, whole lounge craze right about that same time. So uh, it was one of their most popular albums. Uh, it became their first to chart in the top 200. Also, right after that, did you know that they were the theme band for the cartoon Johnny Bravo? I didn't know that. Yeah. The band's final major label album, Space Heater, arrived in 1998. And after that, uh, Interscope had a big merger, and they ended up being dropped from the label. Uh, in the wake of that exit, though, Sub Pop released a 24-song best-of called Holy Roller in 1999, which is a fantastic way to kind of introduce yourself to the Reverend's work. That is a great CD. Yeah, that is a great CD. I've got that CD. Everybody should own that. Uh, after that, they continued to tour. In 2000, they released the more straightforward rockabilly album, Spend a Night in the Box, on the Time Bomb label. And this time, it was butthole surfer's Paul Leary who uh, took the production duties. So, you look at that. Half of the butthole surfers have produced a Reverend Horton Heat album. Wow. Their next release was on Artemis Records in 2002, their uh, seventh, Lucky Seven, which was uh, one of their most punky, uh, hardest-edged records. Uh, I really dig that, especially there's a song on there called uh, Like a Rocket. Mm -hmm. You know that tune? That's great, scorching tune. Also, Loco Gringo's Like a Party. Now, you know the lyrics in that one? Hey there, Pablo, what you got in the bag? It's not pornos, it's corn dogs. Just, Just so you know. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, clarifying. You're welcome that. for that. Then, uh, right after that, uh, they it turned out that the song Like a Rocket was chosen for that year's Daytona 500 race as their theme song. So that kind of got them some additional publicity, which led to a lab, uh, label change and a new deal with Yep Rock Records, who were there with to this day. Uh, the first album for that label, label, Revival, appeared in 2004, accompanied by a live DVD. And Julie and I actually saw them at the Premier Club here in Seattle on a April 1st, 2005 on that tour. The Super Suckers opened for them, and they played the headlining act. And what a great electric show, man. Fantastic stuff. My only regret was we had to leave early to miss the to meet the babysitter, and we missed the encore. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so we missed, I think, Psycho <laughs> Belly Freakout and uh, the Reverend Horton Heat's Big Red Car. Shit. Mm-hmm. Never get that back. What are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway. I saw him, and I actually stayed for the whole show. Did you? Finished. When yeah. did you see him? Oh, man, going back. Going back a ways. I can't remember when, but I saw him in uh, Sacramento at the uh, at the Crest with, uh, with Shelly, who, God, I don't even know if we were married at the time. It was either early in our marriage or back during the heady boyfriend-girlfriend stage. <laughs> 
Well, I got to say, if you have an opportunity to catch the Reverend, you need to because he puts on a fantastic show. Lots of in between song patter, you know. He's he really sells it. The music is fantastic. Uh, you know, they always play a song like "You Got a Friend in Jimbo" or something like that, where you get a lot of audience participation. It's just uh, he's a lot of fun to see. Yeah, indeed. I like how he gets up, stands up on top of the bass. It's yeah, fun. That's awesome. So, okay, 2005, he gave the world uh, its first Psychobilly holiday album, We Three Kings, of which we've been listening to. It's got to be one of my favorite Christmas albums. Definitely, Definitely. if you're looking for a good Christmas album, you've got to pick that shit up. Uh, in 2006, Scott Chirilla, the drummer, actually left to join the Super Suckers, and so Paul Simmons joined uh, to take up the drum duties there. In 2008, the Reverend unveiled his side project, the Reverend Organ Drum which explored a a wider range of retro sounds with hi-fi stereo. And in 2009, he released Laughing and Crying with the Reverend Horton Heat. Uh, So his latest album, it kind of harkens back more to like you're talking about Bales of Cocaine. So it's a little more countryfied. It's not so punk. Um, uh, A lot of the songs are a little slower. There's a couple of songs about uh, Texas, actually. Uh, One of them is uh, We Ain't Got Saguaro in Texas. Which kind of you know tells a tale about how the the cactus that you see in all the cowboy movies is in Arizona and they don't have them in Texas. Oh, there's also another song, Celebration Texas. There's a little bit of everything in Texas and a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, the song Death Metal Guys is pretty hilarious, which uh, kind of talks about the difference between rockabilly guys and death metal guys. It's a lot of fun and uh, it, it's a really good CD. I definitely recommend checking it out. So uh, if you don't have anything else to add, I got nothing else to add except. I'd like to reiterate the Odyssey Live bit that you just said. Very cool. Okay, uh, you can find their music at reverendhortonheat.com. You can also buy some merch there. And uh, take a listen to this. This is a song off the latest album, Laughing and Crying. This is called, Oh God Doesn't Work in Vegas.
simple economics, we can't all be millionaires. So think about what you're asking when you go to rolling dice. Even if you win, it's probably a sin and you'll pay the hefty price. Oh, God doesn't work in Vegas. He doesn't work in Tahoe Macau. But if you've got a gambling addiction, chomping at the bit to go to Ken Forey. Just want to tell you about Mail Order Zombie. Great company. They review zombie films, any zombie film, every zombie film, and it's uh, something you should tune into. So if you get a chance, go to the website, look these guys up, Mail Order Zombie, and find out what the hot zombie films are today. What's going on? These guys are right on the, the cutting edge of, of reviewing zombie movies. And if you're a zombie, or you want to be a zombie, or you're thinking about being a zombie, or your mom's a zombie, your dad's a zombie, or your damn mother-in-law's a zombie, tune in to Mel Arbor Zombie, baby. You'll find out what's going on. Ken Forey, and that's out. On the first day of Christmas, my bone back gave to me a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap in a tree. On the second day of Christmas, bone back gave to me too damn much talking and a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. On the third day of Christmas, my bone back gave to me. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking and a and dick, a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. On the fourth day of Christmas, Boneback gave to me four balls a tingle. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking and a and dick, dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. On the fifth day of Christmas, Boneback gave to me five, five political rants, four balls a tingle, three dumbass questions, two damn much talking, and a, and dick, a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap in a tree. Sixth day of Christmas, my bone back gave to me six packs of beer, five political rants, four balls a tingle, three dumbass questions, two damn much talking, and a, and a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. On the seventh day of Christmas, Boneback gave to me seven worm sticks of butter. 
Six packs of beer. Five political rants. Four balls a tingle. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking. And a, and a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. On the eighth day of bone bet my Christmas hill <laughs> to me. Eight angry emails. Seven warm sticks of butter. Six packs of beer. Five political rants. Four balls of tingle. tingle. Three <laughs> dumbass questions. Two damn much talking. And a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap in Steve's tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my bone bat gave to me nine nervous livestock. Eight angry emails. Seven sticks of butter. Six packs of beer. Five political rants. Four balls a tingle. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking. And a, and a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap. The tenth day of Christmas, Bonebag gave to me ten twisted tunes, nine nervous livestock, eight angry emails, seven warm sticks of butter. Six packs of beer. Five political rants. Four balls a tingle. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking. And, and a, a dick joke that, that wasn't worth a crap in a tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, Boneback gave to me eleven zombie movies. Ten twisted tunes. Nine nervous livestock. Eight angry emails. Seven sticks of butter. Six packs of beer. Five political rants. Four balls a tingle. Three dumbass questions. Two damn much talking. And a, and a dick joke that wasn't worth a crap in a tree. On the twelfth day of Christmas, Boneback gave to me twelve total listeners, eleven zombie movies, ten twisted tunes, nine nervous livestock, eight angry emails, seven warm sticks of butter, six packs of beer, five political rants. Four balls a tingle, three dumbass questions, two damn much talking, and a dick joke, joke that, that wasn't, wasn't worth a crap. Thank you, good night. All that and we still didn't get a blowjob. Man. All right, and that was Reverend Horton Heat. Thank you very much for the awesome music, Reverend. Much thanks, Rev. So we've got an awesome surprise to kick off this week's edition of Multimedia Triage. Uh, would you believe that only the flying fists and Einsteinian-level intellect of an 800-pound gorilla luchador stand between the world you know and a mad god's dream of global domination? You'd fucking better. Your life <laughs> depends upon it. We'd like to welcome Mike McGee and Thomas Jacob, the writer and illustrator, respectively, of the world's most awesome comics magazine, El Gorgo. Welcome to the show, boys. Hey. Thanks. It's great to be here. Hey, yeah. Glad you have you. So tell me, how did the idea for El Gorgo come about? 
Well, let's see. The very short version is that Mike and I have known each other for over 20 years now, and about five years ago, we did a very short 10-page comic story. And then we're trying to get another comic book project off the ground for a couple of years, but it never really happened. Mm -hmm. And suddenly we had an opportunity to do a short story for an anthology book that ended up falling apart. But pretty much uh, what happened there was I had this crazy idea to just do a 50s-style story of a luchador fighting a giant robot, and the idea was that he would have a gorilla sidekick who was also a luchador. So I immediately called up Mike and told him the idea, and of course he's his first thought was, well, I like the gorilla luchador better, let's do a story about him. <laughs> and I think... Yeah. Why did we need the Luchador? I mean, yeah, yeah. it's going to be better, obviously. So pretty much, I think, within an hour, we had pieced together the basic concept for El Gorgo, and almost three years later, here we are. That's very cool. So you basically so- constructed this. You built the foundation of this comic on on a bunch of broken dreams. And th- <laughs> this is the pieces you picked up from that and, and, and taken them and strung them together into a cohesive whole thing of beauty. Now... Why, why Luchador? You, neither one of you, you sound like you're natives of an area that perhaps might have Luchadores as a form of regular entertainment. What is it about the Luchadores that uh, captured your imagination? There? Was it the mask? Yeah. I think it was, yeah, I mean, it was the mask. I think there was that kind of correlation, you know, between, like, the El Santo movies and then, of course, you've got, like, Silver Age of Comics and they happen around the same time and there seemed to be this kind of thing going on between them, so it just fell together pretty nicely. Admittedly, though, I mean, Mike and I, like, neither of us speak any Spanish. I think Mike has managed to piece together little bits just for El Gorgo's dialogue. I yeah, speak none whatsoever. <laughs> my, my grasp of Spanish is really sad, actually. I have, like, all kinds of reasons why I should know Spanish. I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm finally trying desperately to learn a little bit of Spanish. It's hard. I've had, like, every opportunity in the world, and, um, yeah, it's, it's really never happened. I don't know. <laughs> It's kind of a shame, too. I think we missed a marketing opportunity there of doing those Learn Spanish with El Gorgo DVDs. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. No. We, oh. Oh, damn. That's actually, to the best of my knowledge, well, I don't know how long you've had that idea, Tom, but that's the first time. I, I literally it. just came up with it. Oh, my God, dude. That's this awesome. is how, like, a lot of our ideas come together is we'll just be talking on the phone. Somebody just says something, and all of a sudden it's, like, the light bulb goes off, and next thing you know, we're constructing, like, some big crazy story out of it. That's great. You, you heard it here folks, first on the Bone Badge show. In the future, when when this is all the rage, learning Spanish with El Gordo, Gorgo, people go, God, that's right. They came up with that on the Bone Badge show, didn't they? Yeah, cool. So, so tell me, Thomas, what's your media here? What are you using to create the art? Are, are, is um, it all digital or digitizing it? Are you starting, starting with black lines or starting with paint and then scanning it? What are you doing? No, actually, it's at this point 100% digital. Uh, the second issue, I actually tried to pencil it on Bristol board however I pretty much discovered that it made absolutely no difference whether I was working on board or just working on the computer except for the if you screw up um, with inking or anything you can go back and erase it if you're working on the computer as opposed to having to like put white out on there because otherwise like when I'd be trying to scan the pages it would probably just like every page would be about six inches high from all the white out I'd have to put on it <laughs> yeah the only, the only- with actually, like, with actual art on board, you can then turn around and sell it for exorbitant prices. So you can't really do that now. Yeah, well, but with digital art, you can sell it over and over and over. Well, Tell everyone it's an original. 
That's right. You and really, it's the sacrifice I make for the quality of this bug. That's a renewal, I think. So, what do you do in real life? Are you an artist in real life, or is this just a, a, a labor of love that you do off your uh, day job? It's pretty much labor of love right now. I actually do have an art background, and I have an art degree, which has been of little to no use whatsoever in the real world. So, yeah, I work a day job in IT, and, yeah, I pretty much check that at the door when I work on El Gorgo. <laughs> well, I gotta right say, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jack King Kirby and have been for years, and so that was one of the first things that, that I uh, captured me about your art, is kind of a bit of homage you do towards his work. There you go with that homage thing again. Homage. Fuck you. <laughs> no, fuck you. Learn English. Man, you can derail an interview like nobody's business. This isn't about you. Oh, you're man. not the one that's making up a word. Oh, you are the one making up words. I'm sorry. Go on. Let's move along. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's definitely some Kirby in there. Um, Depending on what I'm drawing, there is more or less of it just kind of <clears throat> as demanded by the particular scene. And occasionally, if I'm stuck on a panel or something, I'm just like, you know, what's missing here? And it's like, oh, it needs more Kirby. Mm-hmm. And so I try to put more Kirby into the work. But you, you also feel the, the Silver Age reference, too, in the writing. I, I mean, I love some of the alliteration there. What is it? Perfidious? Uh... Yeah, that was actually, that. if, if Perf- I can be really honest, like, that's not mine. That's no. actually like an old, an old girlfriend of mine. Used Perfidiously that. pernicious um, purpose. Perfidiously pernicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's like actually the most memorable alliteration there. And that's totally not me. That's Danny. It's one of those things that, um, you know, I mean, when you read a lot of the old stuff, like Stanley obviously did that all the time. And uh, it's kind of fun to work with. I mean, like, a little of it kind of goes a long way, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. But to it adds flavor that, so. having that, you know, the uh, read-on true believer sort of a thing, you know, to lead right. into the story. It, it very much adds to that vibe, so that's very cool. Yeah, it does, and, and one of the really great things about it, like, that, because, uh, like, now, you know, contemporary comics, like, everybody wants to be a screenwriter, so, like, they've got, like, all these stupid, like, Robert McKee rules they're following, like, mm-hmm. no voiceover and whatnot. So, like, you don't even really see narrative captions in contemporary comics anymore, and, man, I'll tell you what, they save so much time, because <laughs> you can just, instead of, like, having some scene where you dramatize something, you can just basically say, like, you know, he does this, he does that, whatever, as long as you say it colorfully, like, right. you know, yeah, you just get that out of the way in, like, a sentence, it's awesome. That's very cool. So, you're just uh, getting ready to release the third issue, is that correct? Yep, as we are recording this, um, I don't know how many hours away we are, it's going to be 7 p.m. tomorrow night, but, you know, math is hard at this hour, so... Yeah, uh, December sixteenth. It's going live at our website. And, and what's we, the website? It is www.elgorgo.com. And cool. so by the time you hear this podcast, podcast people, it's live. Go get it. It'll be live by that point. You'll be picking your brains up off the floor from the awesomeness. It is awesome, and being the third, that's the end of the first story arc, correct? So you can kind of complete the uh, whole first story right there. Yeah, yeah, that's all of it. Um, it went a lot longer than we intended it to, but it, the original story was only going to be 22 pages, and it just kind of took on a life of its own. Well, and this one is kind of a fat bonus issue, right? Because it goes 35 pages or so? 32. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. 
And yeah, uh, we'll be back to the regular 24 pages with the next issue, which I say with a great sigh of relief is the guy who had to draw all 32 of these pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those eight extra pages, man. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and 32 and is a rough number, too, because you can't publish that. You're going to have to add yeah. two more pages or t- no, actually, take away. Can. Yeah, there are multiples of four. You can, you can publish that. Yeah. Wait, 32 is a multiple of four? Oh, crap. Yeah, sorry, man. But it's okay. yeah, actually, yeah, that's why it is thirty-two and not like thirty-five or something. Yeah, it would have been thirty-five because, like, I hate Tom, so I would have. <laughs> <laughs> and so you actually do also sell uh, hard copies as well, right? Yes, we do. Um, as a matter of fact, I just uploaded this issue to our printer yesterday, so we expect to have those probably the second week of January, and we'll be shipping them out by the third week so anybody that wants to go up on our website and start doing pre-orders uh it's all ready to go cool and you yeah so it'd make a great valentine's gift yes <laughs> for february yeah, and you know you could package that together with one of your badass t-shirts and uh or two is a badass t-shirt it's yeah or now, now are you doing some 30. sort of a, a, a bundle where if you order the t-shirt in the comic you can get a pack of the deep ones as well I don't think you actually want the deep. You get just add water, <laughs> no. right? It was on your, your ad in the in issue one. <laughs> As yeah, someone I think, who had, you order the deep ones at your peril. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we, we take no responsibility for that. As someone you're who, on your own. Don't call us if things go wrong. As someone who had sea monkeys as a kid, you know, I never actually Dude, saw really? them. I Wait, hear they we, were in that we, jar. Hang on, can we, can we like totally sidetrack here for a second? Sure. Just like, yeah. I actually would rather talk about sea monkeys than about our comic right now just because <laughs> sea monkeys. Like, wait a minute. What the hell were they? I mean, like. They're Brian actually, Shrimp. They're Brian Shrimp. Yeah. But. Were they, I mean, were they alive though? I mean, or did they just float? I think well, yeah, I mean. They're supposed they're to be alive, but you had to. You had to feed them and do all these steps just right for them to reconstitute. Otherwise, they just died immediately. And we had two batches of them, and I never saw a live one. And you'd kind of, you know, trick yourself into imagining it through the little, <laughs> the little magnifying portals. You're like bobbing in the water, and you're like, like I think they're swimming. I think I saw, I think I saw a foot. Because you're expecting to look like the cute little cartoon characters on the page, which they don't at yeah, all. Well, no, they pretty we much. We have them, and we got them to live, but they they erected no undersea kingdom or anything. They just Aww. swam around. They just kind of look like dandruff floating in water. <laughs> but like seriously, because like, what do they come in? Are they like in a packet of some kind? Because yeah. I, I just I don't get this. This is like I, I mean, are they like in suspended animation until you put them in water? I, I don't yeah, know. I think yeah, they're, they're like eggs. They're like mummified. Oh, they're, oh, or they're eggs. Okay, well that yeah okay that I get that. Man. These illusions are being shattered. I mean, like, because I knew they weren't like little cartoon characters, but I thought like somehow water revived them or something. I don't know. Yeah, but they they did not play leapfrog like on the cover. Total bullshit. God, such a letdown. Oh, this is really disappointing, you guys. <laughs> oh, sorry. So I guess you... we can go back to the comic then. Yeah, yeah speak your shattered dreams. Yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I'd never known that. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, yeah, I feel so, bad uh, now. No. My sea monkeys totally came to life. They looked just like the cartoon characters. They, they grew up. They were lo- like human-sized. I had an affair with the queen of the sea monkeys. They were totally real. <laughs> See, Pixar should do a sea monkey movie. That would be the shit. That would be oh, yeah, man, they should. That would have the, you know, the right amount of joy and pathos and all that good stuff that Pixar injects into their movies. So. I like how we all stopped in silence and considered that for a moment. Yeah, I know. It's actually a really great idea. What our own personal would be like. 
<laughs> yeah, until they start selling the tie-in sea monkey packets, and you know, kids put them in the water, and then are just sitting there again with shattered dreams. Ah, they're fucking shrimp. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the hell is this? Fucking ripoff. No kidding. All right, guys. Well, uh, no Bone Bat interview would be complete without the question, what pisses you guys off? Wow. Is it going to be smoking? I really don't even know where to start. I lost my yeah. contact lens earlier. That really oh, that sucks. I've done <laughs> that. I totally did. I was, you know, and I, it's like kind of my own fault because I, well, I mean, because obviously it fell out of my eye, so I'm sort of responsible for it. But I mean, like, <laughs> it wasn't like I, some roaming gnome that grabbed your uh, contact. Yeah, your right. Head. I mean, like I did it. You know, I like wiped my eye and it popped out. And man, I fucking. I, I've been all over this goddamn place. And the thing is, they're not really, you know, contacts are not really that small anymore. I mean, it's about the size of a goddamn penny. But I, I don't know where the hell it is. That makes me mad. I'm mad at myself, though. Like, I actually want to, like, punch somebody about this. Because, like, I just put them in a couple days ago. And, like, I don't know if you guys wear contacts, but contacts are fucking expensive. And, like, I'm going to actually have to open a new pack now. And, uh, man, that, it really blows. And I have no one to be angry at except myself. And, you know, how frustrating that is. And what am I supposed to do? You know, so, yeah, yeah that I, makes me angry. I, too, wear contacts, so I feel you, man. That sucks. Yeah, I was once uh, in Hawaii with Steve, and a, and a rogue wave knocked his glasses off his head, rendering him essentially blind until we can get some sort of <laughs> eyewear for him. I feel sorry yeah. for you blind people. Yeah, it's a it spared to... him having to look at me in his swimsuit, though. Yeah, which was that was a bonus. <laughs> right? How about you, Thomas? What pitches you off? Um, that's a really tough question right now. I'm I'm kind of in a momentary state of tranquility here because I just finished up the comic, so I'm pretty happy. But I suspect still... as I re as I reintegrate into society and like you know start catching up on the goings on in the world, I'll find a lot to be pissed about. <laughs> You're still basking in the afterglow. Eh? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, once I catch up on all this healthcare stuff, I'm sure I'll be, like, throwing things at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. That thing about the healthcare, it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're, you're going to be plenty pissed. Yeah. There's, there's, like, nobody that's like, yay, this is just what I want. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate your time. Everybody go check out uh, El Gorgo at www.elgorgo.com. Uh, anything else you guys like to add? Buy lots of copies of the comic books so that we can keep churning them out as quickly as we can. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would like to be everybody with. Like, <laughs> buy our comic books. Buy lots of t-shirts because they're great. And you know, this, warm. this last issue took nearly a year to do because I have a day job. But if my day job was El Gorgo, then, you know, we could deliver it to your doorstep every month. <laughs> yeah. So pull together, guys. I would guys. actually personally deliver it to your doorstep every month. I would come to your house. You don't really want that, but, I mean, I would do it <laughs> for you. So pull together, listeners, if we, we can get them to financial freedom if we buy enough issues. Can we get me to financial freedom first? I mean, hey, I, I no, wish you guys all the best you. and all, but <laughs> we could we could all throw in on this together. Maybe I don't know. We could somehow bundle a comic with a podcast. I have no idea how we would do that, but um, yeah, I feel like we all need to be financially free. There you go. We could just do it through science. Yeah, science solves everything. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thank you very much for having all us. Right. All right. All right thanks. thanks. All right. So thanks to Thomas and Mike for joining us. Uh, that was pretty cool, huh? Check out a new comic for Multimedia Absolutely. Triage. Yeah. Awesome. So you got anything else? Well, most of my incredibly valuable time has been spent playing Modern Warfare 2. So I haven't seen a lot of movies or read a lot of books. But what I did read, based on your 
your glowing ejaculatory recommendation was Death Troopers. Wait, I, I don't know if I was ejaculatory about it. You were. You jizzed all over the I said book. if, oh, if you, you like oh, zombies and you like Star Wars that you'd enjoy it, but I did say that it had a problematic ending, I think. Yes, it, the ending was... You know what? The ending wasn't that bad if you compare it to the rest of that book, though. <laughs> oh, really? You hated that it? That book was terrible. Really? It was, wow. It's like reading a coloring book. Come on. I, I don't, I don't want to wreck your fun here. I'm about to spoil... Uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you okay. don't want... If you're about to read Death Troopers and, and you don't want to have your whole zombie Star Wars jizz bomb wreck, just plug your ears for this next part. But when they get to the part where they open the prison and they find Han Solo and Chewbacca in there, yeah, I about threw the book across the room. It's what? Did this book get any more ridiculous? That was the shit, dude. That was the shit. That's what I'm talking that. about. The two guys that you'd most want to see fighting zombies. That's like one of those things. Like when you're a kid, and you're, okay, who would win in a fight? Superman or the Hulk? That shit's never going to happen. And yet... You can talk about it. Well, this is the exact same. What it would happen if Han Solo and Chewbacca had to fight zombies? That's just, just ridiculous. What if the Shmoo had to fight Captain America? <laughs> it just doesn't work. What's wrong with that? If you're going to have someone fight zombies from the Star Wars universe, make it Jenga Fett or someone. Now, that was the best thing about the book was rolling out Han and Chewie, man. I no, that, that, that took awesome. a book that was... I was smirking at really hard, just kind of going with it. And when that happened, it was just like, oh, my God, what's next? Is the Grinch going to show up? See, but before that, you're kind of like going, well, what's the hook? Who gives a shit? You're playing in the Star Wars universe without any of the heroes you know and love. What's the point? It's a big It's a Nobody big gives universe. a shit about Commander Cody or any of these other people <laughs> that they trump up. Wedge Antilles. Who gives a fuck? You want to see what's going on with Boba Fett. You want to see what's going on with Han Solo. That's who you care about. Yeah, and, and miraculously, this managed to make me not care about it. It was <laughs> it was awful. This I'm sorry. Awful I'm book. sorry that I tricked you into paying twenty four ninety five for a hardcover book. I know. It's a hardback book, too. <laughs> it's not even going on my shelf as one of those I might want to loan out to somebody. I'm, I'm just going to recycle it or something. It's, oh, my God. Well, I, I did a little better on the book front. This week, I actually finished a book. Uh, it's called The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Have you heard of this? No. It's a, a fantasy novel kind of along the same sort of lines as the way George R. R. Martin handles things. Yeah. So it's kind of a bleak, gritty novel with no sequel coming anytime in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very oh, yeah, it much, like just my speed. So yeah, it's it's very much along those lines. It's, his characterizations are great. It sort of has this kind of a, you know how a Canterbury Tales has like a number of stories that move the the story along. Well, this yeah. this book is about this. It's this barkeeper or innkeeper who ends up being like this epic hero, and so he he runs into this guy who chronicles people's lives who's like the greatest writer of this era. And he starts to tell his life story. And it's this kind of series of these epic adventures from this character. And it's super well done. Additionally, there are other tales told by different people in the story. So it's all kind of about tales and how tales can be blown up into myth. And so it yeah. has a very interesting aspect from that angle. He does a really good job with it. It is kind of fantasy. 
So there is a magical aspect. And basically, he tur- he has a way of turning magic into science. So the way it's handled, I totally respect. It's one of the most, you know, for, for fantastic fiction, it's one of the most plausible types of magic that you could think of, the way he handles it. It's really impressive. And he, he, he does a great job with it. So I really enjoyed the book. But it is a thing of where, you know, he's working on the sequel. It was supposed to be out a year ago. It's not out yet. So if you're coming off of George R. R. Martin, though, and you're looking for something great to read, this is a great book to try. Now, is this the same guy that writes the the Assassin's uh, Assistant, the, the, Assa- the Assassin's Apprentice? I don't think books? so. You know this is, I think about? this is Patrick Rothfuss's first book. Oh, okay. As far as is, I know. Is Chewbacca in this book? He is not. Okay. I might read this yeah, book. Yeah, he does. Kvothe does not meet Chewie and Han on the road to Imray. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you, right. You're safe I there. Might give it a chance. But I can. I actually think I've got a copy around I can send you. There is Sweet. an epic battle between uh, Tintin and Papa Smurf. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. What are you trying to get me to read? So also on the on the fantasy tip, I've been playing Dragon Age Origins lately. Which I still don't understand how we could stand in line for like three hours right next to this game and not try it when we were at Comic-Con. We should have played it. You know, it's a cool game. I mean, speaking of George R. R. Martin, this is it's very much again in that sort of a vein. It's a bleak thing. You can play. Basically, you roll up a character like any fantasy role playing game. Um, you can be a human, an elf, a dwarf, whatever. Uh, I am a dwarf. You can be a warrior, a magic user. So it's all the same basic stuff. But it, it basically, I'm playing the human storyline. And you play a Grey Warden, which is like basically the Black Watch. What are they? Yeah, you're taking Black the Black Watch. The Black Watch. So it's basically the Black Watch kind of a thing where it's their job to these knights who are there to hold off the Blight, which is the great evil. But there's the interesting thing about the game is that you know, a lot of these fantasy role-playing games will have scenarios come up where you have to choose, like, between being a good guy and a bad guy. But yeah. in this game, it has, like, there are a lot of shades of gray. So there was this one part where you're in a town, and there's a merchant who's, who's ripping off the populace. And you can help him by screwing over the convent. <laughs> or you can run him off for the convent, but basically you will lose your ability to buy anything from him. So you, so there, there are a lot of things where you kind of have to balance your needs or what you want to do. And basically, I mean, I screwed the pooch on it because I, I usually play these games trying to please everybody, you know, and, and be the good guy. And it didn't work in this case. I couldn't, I couldn't be one way or the other. I had to pick a side. And so I ended up screwing the pooch. I pissed her off and I lost the merchant. Oh, way to go. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting the way that that's done. And, and from what I understand, the whole game continues in that fashion. And, I mean, there are some people you try to talk to, like there's this big demon ogre guy that joins your party. And you you basically, you can kind of talk to him, but if you're trying to butter him up, he's like, what the fuck are you talking to me for? <laughs> he, he, like, won't take your shit. So it's very interesting. The way they did the characters throughout is pretty cool. Well, the thing I don't like about it is the combat. The combat is super micromanagey. To where, oh, yeah, you're fighting this this big, huge monster, and you have to hit pause, and then, like, okay, you aim here, and you drink your potion, and you shoot an arrow, and that's kind of a pain in the ass. I kind of wish that the combat was more like Borderlands, where it was more real-time, 
but yeah, but other than that, yeah. Things to... But the the game is a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. I got it for like half price uh, off of EA.com as a download. So definitely worth checking out. Right on. I think that's it for me for multimedia trios. You got anything else? I just saw eleven fourteen, which was a cool disc to rent if you missed it when it came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it was an independent. Did you see that movie? No, I haven't seen it. Eleven fourteen. Yeah, like the time eleven fourteen. No, what's it about? Eleven colon fourteen. It's it's these it's five intersecting stories. It's the same stories told five times from five different perspectives of these people's lives that intersect at eleven fourteen p.m. And it's kind of funny. Mostly, it's kind of a cool, kind of dark uh, story about this this one evening in a small town. Actually, over the course of an hour in a small town, and I don't want. I can't really tell you a lot about it without giving much away, but. Uh, and I, I think you should not be dissuaded by the fact that Patrick Swayze, of all people, has a part in this movie. Hey, he was it, in some good movies. What about Roadhouse? Yeah. Roadhouse. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think Patrick Swayze, I think Ghost. So. Oh, yeah. And dirty Dancing. No there yeah, the dancing stuff. <laughs> no, that's something to check out. That, that's a cool little independent flick. And the, the only knock I can give on that movie is... And I'm not giving anything away by this. Whoever directed that movie had never in real life shot a can of soda pop with a pistol. Because in the movie it dribbles out instead of like blowing up in a huge frothy sticky mess. Other than that, good movie. Cool. All right. So uh, filthy jokes? Filthy joke. And by the way, if anyone's making a movie and they need a genuine redneck to consult on how things get shot, just feel free to give me a call. <laughs> And if you're making a movie and you need a crane, you could use my dick. <laughs> it's that big. <laughs> Did I tell you about my vagina? It's huge. <laughs> well, you know, during the holiday season, oh, my dick takes on a whole new level of utility. I mean, my dick's so big that Santa asked it to lead his sleigh this year. <laughs> my dick's because... so big when I stuff a stocking, it stays stuffed. <laughs> you know, my dick is so big, they call it the Yule Hog. <laughs> my dick's so big they use it to measure the rockefeller center christmas tree wow that's big but the funny thing is that you know while i celebrate christmas i i suspect that my dick might celebrate hanukkah because it consistently lasts for eight nights before the big finish don't light it though God damn. <laughs> oh shit so a man goes to the doctor and he says doctor doctor what shall i do i've just been raped by an elephant the doctor looks at him kind of incredulously and says, well, bend over and let me have a look. After a minute, he says, well, that's kind of funny. Your your anus is 10 inches wide. But I thought that elephants only have long, thin penises. And the man says, well, he fingered me first. <laughs> Yikes. They have big feet. <laughs> See, so can you, can you top an elephant, Joe? I, I may be able to. Right in the last day of school before Christmas break, the students have turned in all their work. There's really nothing more to do. And they're restless, and the teacher just decides she's going to start letting them get out of classroom. So she says, whoever answers the questions I ask first and correctly can leave early today. Now, little Johnny's saying to himself, oh, good, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm smart. I know. Teacher's going to ask a question. I can answer. The teacher says, who said four score and seven years ago? And before Johnny can even open his mouth, Susie says, Abraham Lincoln. That's right, Susie. You can go home. So Johnny's a little mad that Susie got, you know, first out the door, but he's ready. The teacher said, Who said I have a dream? 
And before Johnny can even open his mouth, Mary says, uh, Martin Luther King. The teacher says, that's right, Mary. You can go. Now Johnny's really pissed. He can't believe he's missed two of these. The teacher asks, who said, ask not what your country can do for you? And before she even finishes, Nancy says, John F. Kennedy. That's right, Nancy. You may also leave. So Johnny, is, he's just, he's absolutely pissed. He hasn't been able to answer any of these questions. He can't wait to get out of there. And when the teacher turns her back, Johnny mutters, I wish these bitches would she- keep their mouths shut. The teacher turns around. Who said that? Tiger Woods, can I go home? <laughs> it's seasonal. It's topical. It is, yeah. I'm glad that nobody has a voicemail of me saying, Hey, listen, I need you to do me a favor. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. That was so fucking hilarious. So does this just mean that the only thing that keeps me from screwing around on my wife is that I don't have unfettered availability of any woman I want? Because every, it seems like you find out everybody is basically a scumbag kind of. I'm I'm not. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've got tremendous uh, access, but you know what? I, 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 by I tremendous, told my wife I wasn't gonna. I said I'd forsake you before all others, and then you know. Yeah, that's I what I think it. too. It's, it's, it's just, just one it's of those beyond me. But you, you keep hearing about it. You know, any level of power, from presidents to celebrities to sports heroes, they they all t- seem to stray. Stray. So if you're going to be a big old star celebrity, like Tiger Woods, he was a, a star before he got married. If that's the lifestyle you want to lead, why not just lead that lifestyle? So what? You're a, you're right, a exactly. rock star. You're a golfer or whatever. So what if you want to have 18 different girlfriends? Do it. But I, I got no problem with that. But dude, And it's not like married, his wife married. wasn't hot. Yeah. Some of those porn star chicks were kind of scary. I don't yeah, know, maybe no kidding. One looked like he was a man. And maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that. Well, yeah. Maybe he's into some real strange. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't. I just don't have the. That's just not me. There's not going to be any photographic evidence of, of me. Or, <laughs> no, or, we have everything we need on you in the podcast. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Everyone thinks that you and I are gay lovers. Thirty anyway, thirty-seven so. reasons why you can never run for public office. <laughs> <laughs> And the chances of me being a star athlete are pretty slim, too. Right, yeah. All right, so uh, it's time for uh, a couple of thank yous. We'd like to thank the Reverend Horton Heat and James at Yep Rock Records for making the music happen this episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Again, you can go to reverendhortonheat.com to check out the music and their uh, purchase their CDs, cool T-shirts, whatever you need. Also, thank you to Thomas and Mike of ElGorgo.com for uh, speaking with us about their awesome comic. Uh, as he said, issue number three went live on December 16th, so you can check that out at ElGorgo.com. Uh, also, uh, some congratulations are in order. Uh, the Mail Order Zombie podcast uh, published their 100th episode this week. Congratulations. As did the Bloody Good Horror podcast, another hot podcast. Uh, both of those, yeah, you've heard ads during this episode, so uh, go to their website and check them out. They're both excellent horror movie podcasts with great personalities, always entertaining. I listen to them every week, and uh, definitely well worth your time. Uh, also, interestingly enough, Smotcast. Kevin Smith published his 100th episode this week. So, isn't that weird? Three, three different shows with 100th episodes in the same week. 
Wow, that is weird. That's kind of interesting. Let's see, the normal bullshit. Uh, show phone number if you want to call and leave feedback, uh, questions for Just Ask Gord, or what pisses you off. Give us a call at 206-203-3115, or you can email me at steve at bonehand.com. I've got new content on bonehand.com almost every Sunday. Yeah, and I've got a column at davislifemagazine.com once a month, except I'm going to give you a little secret here. January's edition, they're doing a rerun. I complete, I'd written a column and everything, but they wanted to do a bunch of best of rerun type things. So, yeah. Also, mightywombat.com, new cartoon once a week, unless I'm feeling particularly lazy. <laughs> Very cool. Also, you can follow me on Twitter. I am Bonehand there if you want to hear my intermittent musings. Uh, also, you can join the Bonebat Forum where you can chat with Gordon and I uh, when you are of a mind. Uh, if you chat like, with, what, chat with Gordon me. <laughs> if you want to chat with Gordon me, there you go. Sounds fucked up, but whatever you say. <laughs> but hey, you know, English, you're the, rhetor- the, you're the rhetoric major. Uh, if you like what we do, uh, tell a friend, please. Uh, also, if you want to review us on iTunes, vote for us on Podcast Alley. You can do that too. No matter what Vaughn says. <laughs> yeah. Vaughn. So. Uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks, Limo, for stopping by, man. Yeah, thanks. That was cool. Yeah, Limo was accompanying us on the Chapman stick during the 12 Days of Christmas. So thanks very much, man. Thanks, thanks for the stick, me, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for the stick. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Maybe it will be Steve's next time. I, I got oh. I to gotta say I admire Liam's stick work. <laughs> no comments. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for stopping by. All right. Happy holidays, folks. This is Steve. And this is Limo. And this is Gordon. Merry Christmas. Bye.
his hand Running here and there all around the square Saying catch me if you can He led them down the streets of town Right to the traffic Fuck me, Santa, 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 fuck me, Santa. Oh, can I at least take this hat off? No! <laughs>